everyone and welcome to um, just trying to episode eight yes yeah, so the last episode of season two of working with humans um i'm, a, I'm your host today matt feeling and i am here with the amazing hello marina hi <laughs> sorry man <laughs> when, when, when you said slick, it, when you said amazing tonight. i wasn't sure it was about me sorry <laughs> <laughs> So, um, introduce yourself, Marina. So, I'm Marina Farthwart. I'm HR Director for EMEA and APJ at a company called Elastic, which is a software company of about 2,000 people in 39 countries. Cool. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm Matt Phelan. I'm a host of Working with Humans, co-founder and head of global happiness at the Happiness Index. Um, we always kick off, Marina, with describing where we are. My new, um, my new working environment is at the end of my garden in my shed um, where, uh, in North London. Where are you working from today, Marina? I am working from my house in the middle of, for- of the forest of Fontainebleau, which is a forest in the southeast of Paris, uh, which is known um, for climbing. Uh, so if anyone's a climbing enthusiast, they might have heard about it. Oh wow! And um, I, I have a confession. I'm actually a bit of a secret climber. So whenever I, if I go on holiday, I go and try and find somewhere to climb. But I always forget to tell people where I've gone there, and then I get a bit scared in case I fall. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this isn't the subject of today. But if you've got any tips, have you got any tips for anyone who wants to get into climbing? Uh, yeah, come to Fontainebleau and go to a pizzeria called uh, Croc Forest because it's just near where I live, and they have the best climbing equipment. So it's <laughs> the tip. Oh, I like that. I think I, I want to take you up on that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we're recording. It's the 18th of June, 2020. Um, uh, slowly moving out of COVID is the context here. I think 4th of July, things start to properly reopen in the UK. Um, what's, the, what's the status in France at the moment, Marina? Yes, it's actually officially lifting uh, really nicely now and really fully from next week, uh, including... Uh, all the children back at school, um, and it was it was enforced very strictly here in France. Um, so there was a long time where we actually had to print documentation to come out of the house. Uh, and so now, with restaurants open, coffee shops open, and kids going back to school next week, it's starting to feel real. Lockdown is is over. Oh, fantastic! And and fingers, we're all hoping it doesn't go into a second lockdown and a second wave. But who we we don't know. Let's let's see what happens. But um, going from the serious to the completely unserious, I've got three really stupid questions that I'm going to ask you just so uh, we we can get to know you. Um, and they're really binary, and you're going to hate this, but I'm going to ask them anyway. Oh dear. If you had to choose between pasta or pizza, what would you go for? Pasta all the way. That's easy. <laughs> This one, this this one might not be so. Um, Paris or London? Oh gosh, um, actually London. Um, I, my my heart Ooh. my heart belongs to London. I moved to France, but I didn't move to Paris for a reason. I love Paris, but it doesn't have the same buzz that London has. Oh, I'm gonna send. I'm gonna cut that clip and send it to the London tourists. I'm going to get in trouble <laughs> for this, aren't I? <laughs> Um, the next one is related to a lot of what we're going to be talking today um, because there's a lot of confusion around what work from home is versus distributed work and all that kind of stuff. But if you had to choose, and we had a little video call before this and you've got a great setup at home, but if you had to choose between working in um, a coffee shop 
um, or working in your office at home? Which one would you choose? I'm very lucky because I've got a really good setup at home with space and office and, and, and a, you know, something that's comfortable. And, and so for me, working from home um, in my office is, is definitely what I prefer. Yeah. Cool. Um, so the reason, so the reason I, I, I think Marina is amazing and the reason I asked her on is that we were on, um, yesterday we were on a, a, um, a panel discussing the future of the work. Um, and we had so many people who wanted to follow up, wanted to continue the conversation. And I, for me in my life, I just follow energy. And once the conversation ended, I just wanted to continue chatting with Marina. So this is a continuation <laughs> of that. Likewise, um, mate. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you. Um, and Marina has totally broken my structure for this podcast because we always have a structure for the middle. Um, and Marina messaged me and said, can we just have a conversation, me and you? So that's what it's going to be today. So unfortunately for our listeners, you've got a bit more of me than normal. Um, and we've, we're going to start, we're going to go back in time. We're going to go back to the 4th of September, 1998. And we're going to talk through work, through the, through the last sort of 20 years up to, uh, and look 10 years into the future around what work looks like. Um, but before we do that, Marina, can you just tell us a little bit more about uh, your role at Elastic? Because I think there's a lot we can learn from uh, what you've done there successfully. And hopefully you'll share maybe some mistakes and stuff that, 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 that you've learned along the way. But could you just sort of open up about mm -hmm. that role a little bit just so our listeners can, uh, can get the context? Yes, absolutely. I joined Elastic in 2017. It was a company of about 300 people then. And uh, I built uh, the HR function within EMEA, so Europe, Middle East and Africa. Um, there was a global HR leader in the US, Leah Sutton, who's still leading the HR function globally. And my mission was to set things up outside of the US. And, and Elastic has been distributed um, as a company since its inception, since, since its creation in 2012. Um, Marina, so, can I just yeah? jump in really quickly and a, a sure. question on distributed, right? Yeah. Since I met you, I've been like, oh, I met this amazing person called Marina. She was telling me about the distributed workforce, blah, blah, blah. And then everyone goes to me, what's distributed mean, Matt? Yeah, that's right. So, can, can, you, can you tell us what distributed means? And I, and I want you to continue on with to hear about it. But I think just to start off, could you explain what, what it means to you? That is a great point. And, and you're right, because actually it doesn't mean much to a lot of people just yet. Um, it, it kind of feels like jargon sometimes. What it means is that by design, the company is organized in a way that people can work from anywhere. Um, so they can work from an office or they can work from home or they can work from a co-working uh, co space. Um, of course, when we say anywhere, we don't mean anywhere. There are restrictions when it comes to tax and, and statuses and where people are employed and all that. Of course, we're compliant. But what I mean is in terms of physical space within the country they're located in, it can, it's very, very flexible. What it is not, it's not home working because, and it's not remote working because that that's a much more narrow definition of what people are doing. And the reason why we feel very strongly elastic about the word remote working is because remote feels like you are far away from the core of where decisions are made, where people are meeting. Yeah. I mean, it's you're effectively remote. Words can words matter, right? Um, yeah. So so that's why distributed is very intentional, uh, and it's it's by design. The company was designed to be that way. And does it, um, uh, as an ex-marketer, does it does it need to be rebranded then to work from anywhere? To work from home? Uh, no, no. Um, you know, to work from was, anywhere. Sorry. Yeah, because when you describe distributed, you said it's work from anywhere. Do you think distributed? Do you think distributed sounds a bit cold? Do you think it just needs a rebrand to work from anywhere? 
I think you're right. I think that there's something there for sure that maybe uh, the word distributed working um, isn't necessarily conveying the actual idea of what it actually is to most people. So I think work from anywhere is, is, is makes more sense. Yeah, I love that. Because I, because I, I was always, I, I sort of got it, but then I was uh, a hyper convert when I heard you talk about it with warmth. Um, but when I heard the, the first time I heard distributed, I felt like it made me it made me feel like I might be like uh, like a node or a or like a piece of technology. Where um, but then when I heard you describe it on that um, seminar, then I was hooked. So yeah, no, it's just an observation. So okay, mm-hmm. so, you, so you were you were recruited into something that was already set up as a distributed company yes. to carry on Maria. Yeah, and, and back to your point, and actually it's interesting you mentioned about Node and all that, because you know we were a company that was founded by Shai Ban and an engineer. So of course the distributed word was, <laughs> is, is other words of an engineer. So um, no, it makes perfect sense. It is a very warm setup. Um, at Elastic, um, going back to your question about what we've done well, what we haven't done well, um, we actually, um, we have a very developed social network. And by that, I mean, um, emails are not just for work. Zoom is not just for work, thank God. Um, Slack is definitely mostly not for work. Um, And and so we spend a lot of time, that's not gonna sound very professional, but I'll say it. We spend a lot of time not working and talking to each other about non-work related matters. And that's really important in distributed, um, you know, or work anywhere, should I say, teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, have you watched, um, have you been watching The Last Dance on Netflix at all, Marina? Oh, I haven't, no. Um, it's a fantastic, um, it's a fantastic programme. I didn't know anything about basketball whatsoever, but it kept flashing up on Netflix to watch it. Um, and but the, basically, they're the most successful NBA team of all time. Um, and I, I, I've started reading the book of the coach. Um, right. And he's into like, he's into like, zen buddhism and uh, native american philosophy and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and he talks about the importance of not be not obsessing over um over work and creating time to do exactly what you talk about because it's where you're actually doing a lot of problem solving without realizing um does that does that resonate with 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 what you're describing there or would you say that's a totally different thing that that um this, this person speaking about. That strongly resonates, and I'm a strong believer of that as well. And we have a, a thing at Elastic that we call space time, which is how we need to and ourselves space to think, and not to think about day-to-day work, but to think about taking a step back and what else do we want to do? How differently do we want to do it? Are we having an impact? And actually, non-work stuff that matters to us as well, and how we carve out space for that. So it is it's very closely related to creativity and also diversity because people like working and socializing in different ways. And it's important to make time for both. No, totally. Um, anyone that's interested in that, I've just Googled it. It's Phil Jackson, 11 rings is the coach. Um, so, so Marina, you, can you tell us, can you tell us how many years has it you've been there? Uh, three years now. And can you remember your interview and 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 asking about things like um, work from anywhere and stuff like that? Was that discussed in the recruitment process? Oh my goodness, Matt! You and I didn't prepare for this podcast, but now people are going to think we have because I have a story on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have such a story on how I was hired because 
Uh, my, my first interview with the Leah Sutton, VP of HR Global at Elastic, happened on the day that, um, even though I'm actually not a teenager anymore, I actually had appendicitis on that day. Um, I started feeling really poorly and I had to, to head to hospital and I thought, oh my God, that job interview, that was a dream job, what's going to happen? And then what happened is I got better, thank God, the NHS, it, it, and I am forever in their debt, wonderful. Um, and I got better, but then when I interviewed, I actually then postponed the interview. And when I interviewed, I actually had PJ bottoms because I, I still had my scar and I had PJ <laughs> bottoms and I was on Doom at, at, at the top. Um, and of course I was well enough to interview. I was delighted to do it, but it was just fantastic because it was so informal. It was just, you know, my, my future boss, Leah said to me, you know, don't worry about it. You can work from anywhere. You know, we, some of us work in our PJ bottoms. It's, <laughs> and it kind of felt completely crazy, by the way. But, you know. Oh, wow. And, um, and so, you, so that's great, isn't it? Because even the interview, you were experiencing the culture via the interview process, weren't you? Yes, I was because and it actually it took me time to adapt and it does take people to adapt uh, time to adapt at elastic so you'll have people join the team and they know we're a distributed company and then they'll still contact their manager and say hey i've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow at 11 i'm so sorry yeah. i couldn't put it at 5 p.m i'm so sorry i couldn't put it at 9 a.m oh do i need to take half a day off i'll make up my time and then the manager goes back and says i don't care go for it this is a doctor's appointment look after yourself you can work no you don't need to worry about taking time off just go you know so there's no control on that so it's actually you know um it's very much you know just look after yourself and i think for, for a lot of people um marina i want to um again we've we're going off track but i think it's important um uh, it, it's come out. Have you heard about the PwC um, employee tracking technology that they've been developing? Yes, I've heard about that. It's again, I, it's a leading question, um, but I am really worried about that because mm -hmm. it's it, 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 what what I can read of it, and I'm I'm just reading the CNBC article. Anyone can Google it. But companies could require employees to install coronavirus coronavirus tracking apps, and I'm a data guy, and I think look, the happiness index has anonymous data that you put in about how you feel. So it's go to the toilet and all this kind of have you used that? Sorry, you were breaking up a little bit. Can you hear me? Um, yeah, um I can hear you Marina. I was just um asking around things like recording um, what employees are doing when they're working in distributed workforce. Have you got any views on that? Yes, I absolutely do. I think that companies that think that uh, distributed working is about control and how are we going to control people because they're not in their sites, we can't see that they're in the, in the office for certain hours, they're actually um, missing the point. Um, yeah. The point is not about control. And I'll say something that might sound a little bit crazy, but I'll do it anyway. Um, if an employee at Elastic is employed to work 40 hours a week, say, for example, UK-based for a particular yep. role, and if they turn around to us and say, I managed to do my job in only 30 hours this, this week, and I was chilling uh, on the beach in Brighton for five <laughs> hours, well, as far as we're concerned, we're delighted. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's not about... It's not about um, 
control and hours. Now I realize that it depends on the industry. It depends on the type of roles. I, I, I want to acknowledge that maybe how companies manage a contact center operation is very different to what we have with software developers and, and services. So I, I do acknowledge that, but I do think that the moment you place trust in people, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. And I, and I think we're going to, I'm going to use this as a framework to sort of go back in time because I think sometimes try, people try and use old systems to fix new challenges. Um, and I'll give you an example of us moving to distributed and you can give me some free consultancy live if you want. But <laughs> some people think when you move to distributed that basically people are not going to work anymore. Um, we've had the opposite problem of people working too much. Yes. So when we were talking about getting rid of our office and uh, I was raving about what you'd said and all this kind of stuff, someone said in the meeting, um, yeah, but people are really missing that time, like on the train and the commuting. And uh, so that instead of using it for other things, they're just working longer hours now. Um, and, and we had a really good conversation about it. And what we all decided is if the problem was, if you were faced with a problem now with no history and someone said your staff are working too many hours, um, the answer would not be to put them on a train for three hours. It's like, that's not the answer to it. Is it? <laughs> um, and I'm going to use that. So we're going to go back to, we're going to go back in time to 1998. Um, yep. and, I, and I had to Google when, I had to Google when Google was founded. It was, uh, and according to Google itself, it's the 4th of September, 1998, um, in California, obviously. Um, so let's go back. We were, I was trying to do an impression of like, the old dial-up stuff, like, eh, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Um, so let's go, back, let's go back to then. Um, work then, um, I always think about my father-in-law. Um, when he left work, um, he left work, um, and that was it. He wasn't connected in. Um, do you think, if we go back to 1998, do you think there's anything that we should be taking from the past pre-Google um, that we should be bringing forward into um, 2021? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are things that we must keep. For example, the ability to fully disconnect is essential. It's essential. Uh, it's got to be nurtured. It's got to be defended. It's got to be talked about. Um, I think the beauty of the opportunity we have now, though, is instead of your father-in-law leaving the office at 5 p.m. and then being on the commute, maybe on a train for an hour and then fully disconnecting. We have the ability of people having a home office, finishing working at 5 p.m. and then opening their French windows and going straight into the garden and reading their book in their garden instead of reading it on the train and then yeah. having dinner with their family. So that, that's, that's what we, I think we should aim for. But it, there is a risk of people working too much. And I think why we've seen this risk happen quite a lot and, and people worried about it and rightly so, it's because also some people haven't had uh, distributed working opportunities become commonplace. So when their employer gives it to them, it's so precious that they put a massive amount of pressure on themselves to work a lot. Yeah, so if it becomes commonplace, because I keep thinking that, like, we have that with our culture. If people leave, then they miss it because they don't have that openness and that freedom. But if it does come commonplace, do you think people will still appreciate it the way they do? Uh, yes, because I think it, it, um, it changes people's lives. We have a lot of feedback from people at Elastic that say, look, now that I work distributed, I can't imagine not doing it the same way. I can't imagine... 
anymore because I have to commute for two hours and by the time I get home, they're asleep. Um, So I think it's something that people who have worked in an office and sometimes the constraints that that they have lived through will not take it for. Uh, Also, I think the, the key word is flexibility. Some people do want to go into an office and it's important that companies manage to give that flexibility of the face-to-face social time. You know, another myth about distributed working is that people say it's super unhealthy and isolating and then people don't see each other and then the office is dead and offices are going to close and people don't work hard enough. All of that is actually wrong. That's what happens when it's not done well, not thought through. Um, But that's not the reality of it when um, when it's really designed carefully. Yeah, I think there's a bit of confirmation bias in that where I think where people want to see that it's not working, they look for the examples where it hasn't worked as opposed to the examples like Elastic where it, where, where it, where it has. Yeah, and, and also it's because it's, uh, again, it's how, how much thinking outside the box does it require for people to make it work? And it does require to be thoughtful, that's for sure. Um, you, you don't design the distributed so, workplace so Marina, I just want to take randomly. To... Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, no, sorry, you cut out there. Yeah, sorry, could, did you want to finish what you were saying? There was a oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I was going to say it, it doesn't actually happen randomly. A distributed workplace, it requires some thought. You have to think about how people socialize. You have to think about how people work. And, and sometimes I think that can be a, a hurdle. People don't know how to approach it. No, that's that's such good. That's such good advice. It's, it's anything, isn't it? It takes it takes planning and an effort to make it work. And I just want to say also, we're not perfect. We absolutely yeah. have got loads to learn. And you were asking me earlier about what we what we've done wrong. And something that's been a real challenge for us is the combination of the fact that we have teams that have developed a preference for office interactions, and some teams that are completely away from the office is and, and the, the discrepancy sometimes that happens between communication flows between those different teams and, and all that. So we, we have lots of challenges ahead of, of us as well. Have you had something that you've had to change in it, Marina? Have you had like something that you thought was going to work well and then you tested it and you were like, no, we need to take that out or do that differently? Yeah, lots, lots of time. It's constant trial and error. And an example is one of our uh, teams that contains a lot of entry-level profiles uh, people uh, called self-development representatives. They come out of uni. They typically have a bit of experience, but not too much. And of course, our, our initial understanding was they probably need to be gravitating towards an office more because unlike experienced professionals, they need the mentoring, the coaching, the person next to them to do that. And actually, we found that we were wrong. Even us who had been so distributed before, we actually still had in some roles, it doesn't work. Whereas actually, we've now found out that for that particular team, just like all the other teams, some office interaction matters, but certainly not as much as we thought. How did you how did you recognize that then, Marina? How did you notice that was happening? Oh, observation. What we ended yeah. up seeing is that we had offices where some really experienced professionals were sort of coming in and out. Doesn't matter if you arrive at eleven because we don't want people to be stuck in commute uh, peak time. And then we had this team of of young professionals and entry level candidates and, and some experience, of course, and in that team who were looking at other people thinking, hey, we're a lot more office-based than others, but actually we want to be just like everybody, everybody else. And it, it works for us. We can get the coaching on Zoom. We don't need to be so physically present. And, and just by listening and observing. Oh, hello. Yeah, you, uh, you cut out uh, listening and observing. 
just by yeah listening and observing and that's how we that's how we noticed that we needed to change direction a little bit and and again it, you know it's not perfect it's a work in progress no it's, it's so i think it's so useful for you to share that marina because i do worry there's people that will try that try stuff like this for a couple of months it doesn't work and then they and then they switch it back so thank you so much for sharing that i want to fast forward um to 2001, 2002, which is when I Googled, um, I had to check the dates on, on the dot-com boom. Um, so I want to run a parallel here where, where, where everyone thought digital was going to be the new thing, um, but then there was a dot-com uh, boom and bust. Do you think um, there's going to be a sort of a distributed uh, workforce boom and bust where companies go for it that are not ready? I think that... Um... The real risk is actually the opposite. I think there's a risk of companies not doing it, not because they're not ready, because I don't think anyone is ready and that's okay. But I think companies not doing it because they're not ready to commit to trying it. Yeah. Uh, and that would be a real risk because many companies will do it and will do it well and will learn and will become agile around it. And those companies that don't, I think there's a risk for their talent brands. There's a risk for their performance. Um, and also, if you look at a very practical aspect for us at Elastic, we needed to grow our business very quickly and hire a lot of people. We could never have hired as many people as we have over the time frame that we have if we'd been purely based in London, the Bay Area and, and, and only hubs. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point because speed is so important in business, isn't it? And if you're, if you're recognizing that, along with collaboration that's delivering that that's that's huge competitive advantage for you isn't it yeah okay so we've we've covered that we we are jumping even further forward into 2008 so we're going to look at the um that period of time where we're starting to get the smartphone um in i think uh, around then the first iphone um became wi-fi connected um what, what's the impact of things like, um, what's your view on the impact of, 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 of the smartphone on work? Yeah, I think it's huge because it's that connection piece that started to develop in a completely different way. People being available outside work hours, people being connected, which gives them the luxury of being somewhere else than the office, but also gives them the constraint of feeling like they can't disconnect. Um, yeah. And I don't know that as an HR profession, we've actually necessarily discussed enough or provided enough leadership on at that particular stage around what it's going to mean to people. I mean, I remember when I started my career, um, I got a BlackBerry. Yeah. And I felt so proud. Do you remember the nickname for BlackBerries when they came out? No, no. Uh, they used to call them Crackberries because they were just so addictive. Yes. And, you know, what's weird about it is when I got given one and, you know, a couple of my peers got given one. So we were looking at each other very proudly saying, oh, my God, we've got BlackBerry and, and therefore we can read our emails outside work. And it kind of felt like you made it, you know, <laughs> it was this weird <laughs> thing around Blackberries. And then you saw people on the tube, like on their Blackberries. And, and then after, I mean, it, after the honeymoon period, I kind of started thinking, oh, damn it, actually, I'm working non-stop that's just silly yeah and I, and I suppose that's like anything isn't it like let's say alcohol is an example when alcohol you introduce start introducing alcohol and people go crazy with stuff like that isn't it and then you've got the same with technology and 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 and, and that sort of brings me forward to 2018 where 
we're, we're seeing that where we get a lot of people working from home, but they haven't worked in that, those balances and checks to make sure they switch off. Yeah. As, a, as, a HR, as HR professionals, is it, as you said, you, we don't think we've worked it out yet, but have, have you got any advice on, on how people can start that process of making sure people get a balance in place if they are um, in a distributed workforce? I think it is about dialogue. Uh, and when I mean dialogue, I don't mean debate. I don't mean people exchanging ideas without really listening to each other. I actually mean dialogue, meaning sitting you know, with people and actually asking them what works, what doesn't work. Are you actually able to disconnect? What, why not? What's preventing you? How can we help in a non-judgmental way? Um, yeah. uh, and I think it's also leading by example. Um, some, it's definitely not a battle that we've won at Elastic and we're going to do a lot more work on that. I mean, for example, we noticed that in some teams, some people don't take time off enough. Yeah. The message, we care about well-being. And so what's, I was chatting with employees about that the other day and they said to me, Marina, I used to use half of my annual leave every year to do, to do doctor's appointments, my kids' appointments and you know, dentist appointments because I didn't work distributed. Therefore, the reason why you don't see me taking too much annual leave is because I'm actually not used to having so much time to take. That is such, um, that is, it goes back to your, that is a very interesting observation going back to your previous point, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and the point with that is that, okay, well, that's great for Elastic because we've gained in productivity because people are taking less time off because they can organize their lives better. Yeah. But actually, the truth is, if people got in the UK, say, 25 days annual leave to take, they really should take it. So it's actually, it's almost like a mindset needs to happen. It takes time uh, for that to shift. Um, so we're moving forward now into to, to the current day. People who have not worked in, in models like this, one thing I've noticed they're worried about, um, again, for some reason, people seem to focus on the negatives of certain things. But they say things like, what if I need to fire someone in a distributed workforce or an underperformer? Have you, have you got any uh, views on performance um, in, in that kind of model? Yes, very much so. And personal experience too, because of course in HR, part of our role is sometimes to, to do these things and to go through challenging processes where there's a performance issue. Um, so with, what, what I found with distributed working is that, first of all, performance becomes actually much more visible as long as, of course, the manager is doing a good job. So uh, the man management capabilities are very, very important uh, and even more so. But performance becomes visible because it is about output. It's not about people being around, being visible. It's about the work they're actually doing. Um, and so actually, when there are issues around performance, you know, it starts with coaching. If unfortunately it does end up with, you know, a dismissal, um, you know, a peer was asking me one day, I was saying, how do you do that on Zoom? Like, I can't believe you've done that on Zoom. Is that even respectful of people? Talking about humans, how can you even think of doing that on Zoom? Yeah. Well, what's interesting from an HR perspective, I was really concerned about that. And, and I, I look after a wide region, so it happens in all sorts of countries. And I remember once I had to, to do this and have a meeting in Germany. And I discussed it, you know, we discussed it as a team and I said, okay, do I fly in to Germany? And the team said, no, because then what does it say about HR? It means the moment HR is around, it's yeah. something awful is happening. Yeah. Um, and actually we've had feedback from, from individual employees saying that what they actually do appreciate on Zoom is that first of all, there is no 
uh, I'm going to be seen by my colleagues in a particular type of office type of situation. There is no um, privacy. They can, they can choose to pause the meeting. They can cut the camera. They can take their time. Yeah. In, in, in some ways, it actually feels more comfortable for people. And whenever we feel like something face-to-face -face needs to happen, we make sure that it does. So I, actually, again, I think it is about flexibility. Yeah, really. That's such good advice. Um, we got we got four minutes left because at um, 12 o'clock, we've actually, funnily enough, going back to your interview, we have a weekly program called HR and your PJs, um, which is coming up. <laughs> Oh, actually, no, 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 I don't. I don't. We don't have to rush. It's one o'clock. If anyone wants to join weekly at one o'clock, we have a, a program called HR and your PJs. But um, sorry, I just realised it's coming up to 12 o'clock. We're fine. So um, I shared with you this morning, Marina, um, a video for someone I'm connected with on LinkedIn called Ashley Galina Derenek. Um, and I follow her because of our business in China. Um, and she shared an image of uh, a workplace where everything was basically built to be co-live streaming. Um, and Nadine Furlong, who I had on this show before, believes that the best way to tell your story and to, to market your business is through your employees. Um, so what do you what do you think about um, the actual office space almost been using like like a production facility? What, what did you think of that video? Yeah, so I actually um... I, I find it interesting because some of the critics of distributed working are talking exactly about that, about people ending up in pods and individually just streaming and 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 being separate, right? In, yeah. in sort of and not socializing. I I think that um, for me, um, what's really fascinating is that I was in an office before COVID and I was chatting with an employee who's not usually in that particular office, and I said, "Oh, hi, good, oh, great to see you in that office." Uh, and the person said to me, oh, yeah, today I thought I'd worked really hard for the past three days. I didn't really want to work much, so I've come to the office. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, great. <laughs> okay, so the, the, the office has become the social place, which actually is very much that. And I think that it's really – it's going to be interesting that I think it's going to be a, a place of networks. Yeah. Um, what I can see in future is I can see employees definitely going into a place similar to this potentially where they can stream, they have an office set up to work, yeah. but then social spaces to network and to network with people of the same company and actually potentially to network on a different level, to network with people from other companies yeah. but who are in the same location, um, maybe to network more with people in similar industries and similar geos. So it's going to be fascinating to see how employees are going to expand their reach as well. It's not just going to be about meeting colleagues from the same company anymore. Yeah. Just, just that. I think it'll be more than that. That's amazing. It's such good advice, Marina. And um, I'm just going to get some more free consultancy from you from our, for our listeners, on behalf of our listeners. So I'm going to ask you two questions. Um, most of our listeners tend to be HR directors and CEOs. So if you're a HR director and you've been listening to this and you're like, I absolutely love what Marina's talking about here, but I don't think the board are going to be receptive to it. Have you got any um, any tips on, on on how and how you could uh, position distributed working to a board that is cynical to it? Yes, uh, good goodness, big question. Uh, I think resilience of an organisation is an important aspect. Um, and I think after this pandemic and, and whilst we're still in it as well, it's difficult to argue that an office-based culture makes a company as resilient as we thought it did before. Yeah. 
Um, so I think that's really important. Um, typically, business continuity has sat with different people in different organizations, but I think there is an element of that. There's an element of scale, depending on what the company is trying to achieve in terms of growth. I can I, I tell you what, something that most HR directors share as a pain in common, we, we, we tend to all have that pain in common, is that we just can't be on top of our hiring plans. We always want more talent yeah. than we have the ability to attract. And I, I think I think distributed is partly the reason why um, we've not necessarily been able to, to grow as fast as we want, because if you restrict, if you don't go distributed and you restrict to certain locations only, there's, you know, there's a finite number of people you can hire in particular skill sets in particular locations. Simple as that. I love, I love that. So let's, let's keep this scenario going. The HR director has done that and the CEO's gone, right, okay, no, the CEO's on now, on board. Um, they've convinced the board. Um, we're about to communicate out to the rest of the business. Um, any advice on that? Definitely having a really deep conversation with the CEO about culture before rolling it out. Yeah. What is our culture about? What is our communication going to be? If we're rolling out distributed working, what technology are we using for people to communicate? What are we going to lay out when it comes to expectations around availability, well-being, disconnecting? Um, how are we going to shift that mindset amongst managers from managing a team just next to them physically to managing a team distributed and how we're going to enable them because yeah. a lot of that onus is going to fall on the shoulders of, of managers yeah such fantastic advice um we're going into closing now we've got three minutes i've got um three very um simple questions for you um what was the, what's been the biggest low in your career um I think um, there was a stage in my career in a particular role years ago where I didn't find I was stimulated enough. Yeah. Um, I was kind of doing the same thing day in, day out. And that's when I realized that um, I, I, I'm someone who kind of, you know, I, I never want to be bored. And I think that's the only time in my career where I was ever bored because I always come up with stuff. I, I, I think that boredom doesn't exist for people who are proactive, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that happened to me once. And, and that's when I actually, you know, there's a, something that people talk about, which is bore out. You know, there's burnout and there's bore out. And I just had a glimpse of that once in my career. And um, yeah, I, I think um, for me, it was really interesting as an HR professional, because I think how we design jobs and roles and how we stimulate people is so important there was actually um a legal case in france about that last week wasn't there did you read about it yes and and the reason actually it's um it's not a coincidence that it happened in france because in france the employment legislation makes it hard for people to be dismissed sometimes and as a result of that there are some companies in some companies some managers actually end up keeping someone but they don't do much kind of thing yeah uh thank thankfully for me that was a very different situation i was in the uk i had actually a good role it's just that i wanted to do more but but in that french case it was actually extreme like literally they were not doing they were not doing anything it's terrible to to actually treat people like this is awful yeah and it but it is interesting isn't it because when you're working and you're really busy you kind of dream about having a day when you don't have anything to do but i think what that that case 
court case obviously brought the the French system um, to the fore, like you've mentioned, but also the mental health impacts on an employee who hasn't actually got any work to do. Um, yes, I think in the UK people would ne- have never never considered that before, and that is sort of got lost in the headlines. But if, if you if you're listening, it's worth um, looking that up. So we're going to go from from that to highest moment in your career. Highest moment in my career was probably when we launched our um, our source code, our Elastic, and I was tasked with having discussions in the team about it. Our source code is actually, you know how companies used to have values and operating principles? Oh, I love this. Um, I'm going to steal this. I was about to ask what you said, but you said source code, didn't you? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Carry on. So, so yeah, you know how companies used to have like, almost like a, a one-dimensional set of values and operating principles like integrity, teamwork, and, yeah. you know, all that good stuff. But it's too one-dimensional. So at Elastic, we decided to do it slightly differently. And, and, and the team did a wonderful job of looking at where are the tensions in work? Where are the times where people are going to misunderstand each other? Or maybe they're going to assume malice when there's no malice and then they're going to clash. And the source code, which, by the way, is completely... Open source, so it's on the net. I'll send it to you, Matt, if you it. want. I love it. I'm stealing it. I'm having it. I'm definitely going to do that in my company. Um, oh, I realise there's two questions uh, left before we go into the final one. I, oh, I, yeah. I, I, my new thing is, because when the podcast finished, we normally discuss so much, I, I can never know what to call the podcast when I put it up. What, um, what should we call this podcast? Oh, goodness. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, well, we have visited the timeline, haven't we? Like kind of different stages, 98 and then through time. Um, um, I suppose the evolution of what Matt, I don't know. Oh, you're asking me a tough one there, Matt. I need to think about that. <laughs> okay, no one, no, <laughs> you on the fly. What's happening? No one's yeah. ever been able to answer that question. I liked something about the source code, oh, though. Like, because I like, I, also that fits into the whole diversity conversation that's going on at the moment as well, doesn't it? If you get back, if you literally get back into source code, and DNA, you're taking a lot of um, of surface level stuff out. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example of something I've been, I feel very inspired by our source code. Is for example, being someone who carries a French accent with me, and my parents were French. I grew up in different places. You know, one of our statements in source code is we all have an accent. Love it. Yeah. Uh, it says it, it says a lot. I think it's funny. I um I spin- finished a speaking slot the other time the other day and someone came up to me and asked me when I moved to the UK and I was like well, when I when I was born <laughs> <laughs> where did they think you were from um uh, uh New Zealand oh really yeah, I, 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 I've traveled oh. to New Zealand for like two weeks but who knows I think it, I think it's good <laughs> Not from the UK, I, I think that people think you either sound like you're related to the Queen or you're from East London where you want to have a fight every two seconds and every other accent they don't really know how to place. <laughs> but I, 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 I didn't judge them. I just thought it was funny. Um, but I love that. Um, so final point, um, and I'm, I'm going to say thank you to you and, and, and hand over to you to finish. Um, I've just, again, I've learned so much and pleased I followed the energy and just invited you on, Marina. Um, it's been brilliant. And also, um, the F word has been really fun as well. Um, so, can you just close um, by talking about the biggest learn? For me, the biggest learning in my career has been that regardless of the context in which we operate, meaning the company we're currently working for as HRDs, 
the CEOs and the leadership teams we work with is that HR has a secret superpower. And that superpower is that (laughs) HR is at the intersection of business and people. And that comes with a huge opportunity of so many people. Um, And for me, that's been uh, just an to, to, to open my eyes to that and figure that out. And I think with COVID and also with, with the George Floyd horror that people have witnessed mm-hmm. in the US, I, I think people are actually starting to open their eyes and bring those topics into the workplace when it comes to equality, when it comes to respect for people, respect for how people want to live and want to work. And, and so for me, that's uh, definitely that we're going to see more of that in the HR world. I think we're going to see more and more in terms of uh, HR strategy coming to the fore. Wow, I think you've just named the podcast The Superpower of HR. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Marina, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, I'll reconnect thank you. With you now on our little Google link to have a debrief. But on behalf of all our listeners, thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting me, Matt. It was always such a great pleasure talking to you. Cheers. Thanks, Take care. Marina. Bye. Bye.